I'm joined today with Elliot Hulse. He's, I guess you're kind of a fitness guru, fitness coach. <laughs> I I was watching Elliot, yo Elliot, uh, years ago. I think 2016 is when I first started watching your videos. I was working on deadlifts, squats, trying to learn form, trying to get inspired. And I was watching you and you were kind of doing a lot of uh, motivational things. You still do that. But I... I saw your transformation over the last, has it been year, two years? Uh, I'm towards, constantly upgrading Catholicism. my software. So depends on when you'd hopped in. But I'd say over the past, since 2019, end of 2019, I've reverted back to the one true faith. And so you've probably noticed a lot more crucifixes and uh, saints behind me in my yeah, videos. Yeah, yeah, I definitely noticed then. that. I noticed the saints, crucifixes, icons. icons. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. that was pretty awesome, and uh, to to see that, and then we got to hang out a couple of weeks ago, and said, "Hey, let's do a show. Let's talk about it." And you, you know, you've been, you know, into the Latin Mass and tradition, and you know, a lot of the stuff, most of the stuff you talk about is masculinity. What does it be to be? to be a man, to be a husband, to be a father. Now, you know, from a Catholic point of view, from a traditional point of view. So I just kind of want to rewind. And you you kind of told me the story while we were smoking cigars and talking about it. But what drew you back to your Catholic roots? Well, uh, so I was cradle Catholic, baptized, went through CCD and the whole, whole mess. Um, I'm about middle school, when CCD is done, um, my family stopped going to mass, and of course, I thought nothing of it because I rather do rather play Nintendo on Sundays, right? So uh, that was the end of our Catholic formation. Uh, but I felt a calling from God even at that young age. I think I was probably in seventh or eighth grade when I stumbled upon the philosophy section in the library because I was looking for books about who I am. Uh, being a mixed race man in Long Island, New York, I was constantly confronted with, uh, what are you, Elliot? Where do you belong? Right? Because you got you have everything from Haitians to Jamaicans to the Irish to the Jewish to the uh, Italians and the Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. And it's like, well, what? where does this guy fit in? He looks like he's probably Puerto Rican, but I don't speak Spanish. And so being confronted with that existential question, I went seeking. And so I came across what I was looking for in that time, which was uh, quantum physics, <laughs> right? I got a scientific and philosophical answer uh, to who I am. And it, and, it, and it satisfied something in me because it let me know that I was a lot more than what meets the eye. So, so are all of us. We're not these flesh suits. We're spiritual beings. And uh, there's so much more than meets the eye. So that was that was satisfying for me, but it it didn't say ground me in anything because you know that opens the door to well subjectivism and the new age. And so I dabbled for many many years in different forms of you know, new age religion. In, in fact, I was even it's strange because I was I was called to. I was called to the Abrahamic line of faith through a branch of Islam, in fact. Um, I became Baha'i when I was in graduate school. In fact, my, my wife and I married 
as Baha'is. And I really resonated deeply with the Baha'i faith. But once again, fell away, mainly because I moved down to Florida and um, there are no Baha'is down here. And so I thought nothing of it. We we went to Protestant churches here and there. Um, I thought they were cool. You know, I just knew that I, need, I wanted to raise my children in some faith. I just wasn't very picky about it. I was like, well, here's a church. It's close by. Let's go. I did that for a little bit. And it really didn't, it did, it didn't transform me or, or it really didn't stick. It was just a thing to do. About 2015, I turned 36 years old and I had a crisis in my life. I was very popular on YouTube, as you know. Uh, I was one of the first really popular fitness YouTubers and rose in prominence very quickly. And to the degree that my popularity uh, inflated, so did my ego. And so here I am with this sense of grandiosity. And it, as you know, that can only last so long before God kicks you in the nuts. And so that's what happened to me. And then I ended up smoking weed for the first time as a 30, 36 year old man. It's like <laughs> something that high school kids <laughs> do. And I'm like, I never smoked weed before in my life, but I was like, I, I came across it and started numbing the pain. And I was like, well, this is great. And so I became mm. like a, I became a weed smoker and it really at age 36 that was 36 wow okay how old are you now 43 43 okay yeah now was that you know yeah. i know that in in the weightlifting community uh and in bodybuilding and also just in strength you know there's a lot of pain management and you know you can only take so much advil and leave and then there's alcohol, which is bad. You got calories, liver damage, and all that too. So I, I have, you know, noticed that, and also in the jujitsu community as well, uh, they use CBD and also THC just for pain management. Was that part of it for you, or is it mainly just mental wanting to smoke weed? No, I just wanted to get high. Okay, all right, okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So it was a, it was an escape for you. It was an escape. Okay. I was not ready or willing to confront uh, what God wanted to bring forth in my life. Uh, I was avoiding, you know, one of the things that I sensed at that time was that God was calling me to fast. And fasting is a big part of my life and a big part of my mission with making men strong again today. But I resisted it because, you know, I was a fitness guy and I believed that I needed to eat five times a day. And I was unwilling to submit myself, humble myself to that calling. Um, and so it was just one of the very one of the various things that I was skating around uh, while I was getting high. And then in 2019, um, I was as high as a kite, as sitting in my sauna, and I started crying. Well, let me backtrack for a moment. I had just started listening maybe a few months ago to Protestant preachers on YouTube. It was mainly um, Eric Prince, and I kind of fell in love with listening to Derek Prince talk. And he had this whole sermon on repentance. And so, you know, that was stuck in my head and I was sitting in there and God convicted me in a moment. It was the most, it was the wildest thing. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm high and I'm thinking about repentance and just downloads of all kinds of sins that I had been living in 
for the past 30 something years, unrepented sins. You know, uh, I love how Father Ripperger says that uh, uh, sin darkens the intellect because I understand that now where in essence you begin to convince yourself that these are not actually sins. These are good things. And, but it weighed on my heart and I realized that I was, I was not a good person and I needed to repent. Interestingly, I, it came to my mind that if I'm going to repent, then I need to go to someone. Who am I going to, who am I going to go to? Who, how am I going to repent? And God laid it on my heart once again. When I say God laid it in my heart, I don't know if it was, I don't know what it is. My subconscious, I don't know if it's God, but there's just this, this prompting within me that said, go to confession. What do you mean go to confession? What does that even mean? Go confess your sins to a priest. And I'm like, this is definitely not now, this from is my why you're mind. high in a sauna. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's I don't know. Maybe it was a demon. Maybe I'm no, here no, all because I mean. of yeah, okay. Yeah, kind of crazy, crazy story. Yeah, that led me back to the church. Um, I, I didn't know anything about. It. I resisted it at first. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Why? I haven't been to church in you know mass in the longest time. I don't even know how to confess my sins. I had to go on YouTube and and figure out how to do that. Learned all about it. Discovered guys like you who practically catechized me. YouTube isn't huge. Um, and and I I went and did a general confession. And it was it was life changing. I I don't even think the priest spoke English. I went in there and I, I had thirty five years worth of sins that I just spilled out. I bawled my eyes out. He absolved me, and I've been going to mass ever since. Wow, wow. Now, as you know, and everybody knows, as you come back to Catholicism or you find Catholicism for the first time, like I did. You soon realize when you get onto the landscape that there's different contours, different perspectives, different emphases. Uh, you can go to confession to a priest and start saying all kinds of sexual sins, and he'll say, "Oh, it's not a sin. That's not a sin. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that." So you kind of have to start wading yourself, you know, wading through a lot of this stuff, and then eventually you kind of say, "Okay, so there's a more traditional understanding," and and was that something that you you intuited right away or i mean tell us about that no no i didn't know that there was i grew up in the noble ordos meaning like you know that's where i was i went to ccd and when i decided to go back that's what it was and so i'm totally ignorant of anything beyond what is the the new mass and from that perspective i was greatly appreciative of it uh, I had never, you know, since I was a child, been in a place of communal prayer. Mm -hmm. I all of a sudden realized the beauty of this communal prayer. Because, you know, a lot of um, Protestants are against that. And even in the Baha'i, they're like, don't do that. And then here I am, you know, re reciting these prayers together in the Mass. And my heart, I'm elevating. My heart's elevating. I'm, I'm learning the prayers. I'm doing the sign of the cross. I'm kneeling. I'm standing. I'm like, Wow these rituals, these movements, these prayers, and the repetition of it, meaning I was going every day, the repetition of it was feeding something in my soul. And so, you know, receiving the, the Holy Sacrament, I didn't even know that you weren't allowed to receive it if you were in a state of mortal grace, uh, of grace, I'm sorry, mortal sin. Um, so even before I, got, I received absolution, I, I went a couple of times, I was like, let me go see what this is about. And, you know, I'm receiving the, our, our Lord and I'm like, you know, the 
the worst sinner ever. But anyway, my, my point was that even beyond, I didn't know anything about Latin mass or traditional Catholic, uh, Catholic faith, uh, actually until I probably found your, your videos, most likely, because you and, and Census Fidelium, mm -hmm. that really brought me the awareness that there's more to it. So I had no, I had no ill will, ill feelings. It was like, to me, that was what it was, and I was grateful. The, my sense was like, thank you, Lord, that this is even available to me anymore. I don't have to go and get baptized somewhere. You know, I was I was dabbling with orthodoxy for a while, and I was even thinking, wow, now I got to go get baptized. It's like, no, man, you don't need to do that. And by the way, the Orthodox Church was huge. Both orthodoxy and Protestantism brought me back to the, to the faith because or, we, we went from Protestantism to orthodoxy because orthodox were very much into fasting. And I was like, I need to fast. Yeah. And so I started reading all the works of the early fathers and the Philokalia and things of this nature. And so if it was, if it was up to my ego, I probably would have gone to the Orthodox church. But then I was like, why am I going to go through all this? I'm already, I'm already a part of the family. Sorry. Hold on. I'm 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 already Catholic. So I had no sense. I had no thought that I would be giving Catholicism a shot. I, it didn't it didn't occur to me at all, but it was because I was the infant baptism makes perfect sense to me now. Now I'm like, ah, that's why. Mm -hmm. I'm already in. Yeah. And so because I was already in, it was like, well, let me figure let me give this a shot. Let me see what this is all about. And um and that's how I ended up back in the faith. I appreciated what the new mass had to offer me, but then I became very curious after learning about the 2,000-year-old liturgy <laughs> by studying videos like yours. And so it brought me to a, a, a very beautiful, powerful uh, Latin mass that happens in Tampa. It was just not too far away from me then. And what was your impression of that having to, you came back, you're at the Novus Ordo, and then you saw a lot of mass. Was it foreign? Was it attractive? I mean, what was your perspective? So, man, there's something mesmerizing about the sounds and the smells. And even the Latin language, it was like I was transported to a totally different world. And so although I didn't know what was going on, and this was probably your advice, he said, don't even try to figure out what's going on. Just go a couple times and then figure it out later. I was like, all right, fine. I'm not going to try to figure out what's going on here. I, and so I just started going, and I was mesmerized by the sights and the sounds and the language, and I thought it was beautiful. But then in further research and trying to understand like well what the heck happened like why is why why do i go to tampa and there's this mass and why do i go to saint pete and there's that mass i began to recognize the seriousness the rigor the 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 the, the vigilance and the commitment that is actually found in the traditional faith and uh, something started again started to wake wake up in me and i started to realize that this <laughs> This was my first thought. This is much more akin to Islam than it is to Christianity because you actually have to do stuff. You mean you mean Protestantism, I, right? No. I remember I remember I dabbled with branches of Islam. Okay. So I knew I wasn't I was never Islamic, I was Baha'i. Uh but I knew that there were obligatory prayers and that there were um in other words, a lot of Protestants, from what I, coming up in America, which is very Protestant, 
um, I, I had this I had this idea that you know once saved always saved. You really don't need to do anything except go to service on Sunday. Um, there, you really have no obligations. In fact, anybody who gives you obligations is trying to help tell you that you need to have works that you're going to be saved by works. So I never had this. I never had this sense that I needed to do anything. But then I started listening to you guys like you, and I discovered the, the tradition of the faith, and it's like. You know, you could pray the rosary. I discovered the rosary. I was like, wow, I could pray the rosary. Hey, you could pray the rosary. You could pray three times a day if you want. So I started praying the rosary <laughs> three times a day. And then I discovered that, well, if you don't go to mass, then you're in a state of mortal sin. And I was like, oh, wow. So I, I must go to mass. And just all these different dogmas of the faith, I began to understand. When I started to understand it, I, reckon, I, I felt drawn to it because as a man, I said this at a, at a talk I gave the other day. Where this, I think, where, where Protestants kind of get it screwed up sometimes. But I know that we're not saved by our faith, or, or we're not saved by works, right? You can't work your way no. into heaven. I, I get that. But men want stuff to do. And I, I was, <laughs> I wanted, like, you know, I'm a bodybuilder. I lift, so I know I'm not going to get muscles on a, unless I lift. And so when I had the sense that no, I get to, I have to do stuff. To be holy, I was yeah, well, good. I want to do stuff, right? And so Catholicism gave that to me. It was like Elliot, you now you can go do stuff that's going to support your salvation, and that was satisfying to my masculine sense. Yes, and that's it right there, because when you're doing whatever it is—boxing, fighting, martial arts—you're in the navy, you're in the army, you're in the NFL, you're in wrestling you're trying to get your deadlift or you know personal best all those things require repetition right in a game plan right yeah. just saying like you know you just be you and you'll be you'll have this athletic power or you'll have the strength is just com a complete lie we all know that you have to put in blood sweat and tears you got to no pain no gain that's the thing so to like enter into a relationship with God and it be sort of sentimental and just everyone gets hugs and there is no discipline just doesn't make any sense. And I think that's the reason why men, and in particular those who are more masculine, kind of like not only just the Latin mass, which has a lot of rigor and repetition to it, but the traditional Catholic lifestyle is one of rigor. I mean, if you read the early church fathers, their discipline, how they kept Lent, I mean, it's hard. I mean, yeah. you do strength contests, you do all these things, and like, you can't imagine that somehow getting to know God and overcoming your sins and your desires and all that is going to be easy. No, and I don't want it to be easy. I don't think <laughs> right. men want it to be. I want it. Good, maybe this is total heresy on my part. But it's maybe I'm in error, but like I want to do religion. I want to have things that are required and that I'm held to and that are hard. And I found that in the faith and I didn't know it was there until the traditionalist like yourself uh, started presenting this. And I was like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I was really, when you told the story of your conversion to me, and then you also told me, if you don't mind, about your wife and your kids and all that, I was just like, praise God. I mean, do you want to share that as well? 
Yeah. So, you know, if you haven't figured it out already, I'm sort of ADD. So I come up with ideas and things that I want to do and I jump right in. It's kind of a gift, but it's kind of a curse. My wife has been with me since we were 14 years old. We started dating in high school. We've been married going on 30 years now and we have four children, 18 Congrats. through 12. Yeah. Thanks. So she's seen me go. Not only has she seen me go, you know, from left to right, everything that I just described to you. She's always been supportive. She always supports me. She's also a lot more, maybe I'll say discerning than I am, meaning she tippy toes. Where I jump right in, I'm like, hey, this is my thing. I'm going. And she's like, okay, that's nice. I'll take my time. And so I, you know, I was 40 years old, more or less, when, you know, I decided to become Catholic again. And she's like rolling her eyes and she's like, <laughs> she's like, okay. I'm like, listen, you don't have to do anything. I told you, you don't have to do anything. You have no obligation here whatsoever. This is up to me. And I got a lot of confidence from, you know, my YouTube catechesis, that's the way I'll describe it, that said, you know, you need to, as the man, lead the family through your faith first. And that resonated with me. It was like, don't try to convert your family. I, and, you know, I wasn't even trying to because I knew that if I was serious about something, my wife would eventually come around. That's, that's just kind of the agreement we have. If, if Elliot's serious about something, it's not even like I have to convince her or tell her. She just, she comes because she, she, she's, my, she's part of my body. She wants to be where I am. And so, you know, I guess it was two years into going to mass practically every single day that um, I eventually, I think it may have been Christmas, asked her to, hey, would you be interested in just checking it out and coming with me? And of course she said, yes, of course, I'd love to. Didn't even invite her before that. Is my internet connection crappy? I'm wondering. Yeah, uh, it, it's a little anyway. fuzzy at times, but it's fine. Keep rolling. Okay, cool. Um, let me see. I could probably fix it by doing this. Um, so fast forward to this April. Um, Easter Sunday, uh, my four children were finally baptized and confirmed into the faith. We they went through catechesis. In fact, for over a year, I had been doing catechesis with them, you know, the catechism twice a week. So we started homeschooling uh, a little about a year and a half ago. We started homeschooling and a part of homeschooling was dad's catechesis class. So that. doing catechesis with the kids. Yeah. And that led up to us um, being offered the opportunity, I guess, kind of like... <laughs> It was like the fast track to like, okay, well, let's get them baptized and confirmed and, and everything else. And that happened this April. By the grace of God, it was pretty miraculous because, the, the, in other words, they, there may have other been more bumps in the road if God hadn't made it so easy for us. But I think he knew that I was putting in work by catechizing the kids and I wasn't just trying to throw them in there. Plus, they're teenagers, right? So they're that, not. That's what's it's not most like, impressive. It's like we're not talking about oh I, my my wife and I became Catholic and we you know our four year old and our five year old and our two year old like you became Catholic your wife and then your teenagers like yeah that's a touchdown yeah right they're there. teenagers and you know teenagers don't want to do anything except I know you know, I got a, a lot of them the culture <laughs> I got four of them 
not only did I have to um, convince them, I had to catechize them. Right. But it was it, it went well. It was by the grace of God, it all went well. And then in uh, August, it was our it was our twentieth anniversary. I said thirty before, Lord. I said 30, but 20. It's our 20th year anniversary in uh, in August. I was impressed. And I was like, now, how's this math work? But now I understand. Oh, 20. my math doesn't work. Yeah. What's <laughs> <laughs> the math? And I, there's no work at all. It's just throwing out numbers. Um, she, she and I uh, brought our marriage, which I believe has just been, God's grace has been pouring out over us all this time. But we brought it into the grace of the church by having uh, con validation in August. So I mean, we're we're fully, we're a fully Catholic family. Yeah, that's amazing. So I mean, give us some perspective. I mean, people who know you, the Yo Elliot. I'm sure, like when you go through airports and people are like Yo Elliot, you get that a lot. Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Now, now you're like talking about Catholicism. You got a crucifix behind you. Are some of the fitness community like, oh, this is kind of lame, or what happened to Elliot? Is he a fanatic now, or are they cool with it? What's the response? Uh, I don't know if anybody's cool, but I've, I'm pretty eccentric, and people started figuring that out pretty early on in my YouTube career. I would say things and do things that seemed off the wall, you know. They would say that I'm going through bouts of psychosis. I, I, I'm a little crazy, but I think it's more of the ADD, not psychosis. <laughs> I become very passionate about things, and you know, I'm I'm willing to go deep. And so, for a lot of people, it's like, oh well, this is what Elliot's into now. Like this is this mm -hmm. is the new Elliot. And there have been many permutations. In fact, I had one fan create an entire documentary about me called "The Rise and Fall of Elliot Hulse," and and he didn't even get to the Catholicism part yet. So. And he released that in 2020. So I was like, well, is it positive or negative? It's, it's, he's a disgruntled fan. Okay. Um, but overall he did a good job. And so like, I was like, well, this is actually not too far off. And some things that people think might be a, uh, offensive to me, I actually take delight in like, so, you know, he's saying things that may upset him and I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool, actually. I like that. Idea. <laughs> okay. <So. laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about what men need in order to draw closer to Christ. I think a lot of guys in Catholicism, especially they're raised Catholic, they're like, okay, you know, my grandma or my Aunt Lucy hands out communion. They maybe pray rosaries. And it's just sort of like, they have no attention, no attraction for becoming a saint or like, you know, the kind of the passion that the early church fathers had or St. Ignatius Loyola where something happens like, I want to be a soldier for Christ. I want to try. I want to die to myself. I want to mortify the flesh. Uh, what does it take? I mean, how do we inspire these guys? There's guys who would just kill themselves on the gym floor. How do we... How do we take that and transform it into the soul? It's it's interesting. Like I said, my my story is kind of you know multifaceted, and one of the things that brought me back to the faith was the red pill. Are you familiar with the manosphere and the red pill? Yeah, yeah. Like on Reddit. Okay, good. So this this sort of 
progressive awakening that's been happening with men in terms of intersexual dynamics. Yes. And, you know, about the same time that I was being called back to the faith, I came across this content and books of, the, of its nature. And so it started waking up in me this idea of masculine authority that has been dead. Uh, you know, we live in an egalitarian, gynocentric, feminist-run world. And so any semblance of authority in a man is quickly squashed. It's quickly knocked out and trained out of us as it was me. You know, I was grateful that I was raised in a home with an alpha male father and he never put up with any of that crap. He didn't understand it. He was just a tough guy. But I, growing up in, you know, Long Island, New York public schools, uh, was a beta male uh, with all kinds of blue pill conditioning. And so as I was coming across this, you know, this... Uh, masculine, man-focused, male authority content, it rung in my mind that, well, this is all in the Bible. It's part of what brought me back to the faith. I was like, this is interesting. These guys are just saying stuff that Christians, traditional Christians have been saying for thousands of years, except minus, so it's all the authority, but it's minus the responsibility. Exactly. So I recognized the boyishness in it. I was like, these guys are all, they want all the, all the authority, they want all the, you know, all the good and none of the, none of the bad or none of the tough, none of the, none of the real uh, responsibility with being a man and being a married man. I understood what that responsibility was, but I never stepped into my authority until, you know, going through the red pill stuff, but then diving deep into traditional Catholicism and understanding the, the natural order and the order in the home, God in Christ, Christ over man, man over woman. And that I'm the head of my wife, and that I'm uh, the leader of the family, and that it is her, her, her glory, her joy to submit to my lead. My wife always submitted to my lead, just because of God's grace, I guess. But now I understood, and she, but we could verbalize it. it. Was like, wait a second, we belong to a faith that affirms our choices in life. Like we kept her home. I was not. Catholic or Christian when we decided that we would have a wife, we'd have the mother at home, you know, my wife, and we decided we want to have lots of children. And so we were doing a lot of traditional things anyway, but then to receive that affirmation or, or confirmation from the faith, it was like a, it was a double boost of morale. And so this is why I find myself in a very unique place to share the faith with men today, because Men are very hungry for a sense of duty, purpose, mission, and authority because it's in us. We, we know that we're authorities, but we've forgotten. And so when you ask me, you know, what is, what is it that's needed for men to take their faith seriously? I think it boils down to a, a recognition of our vocation. What is your duty as a man? Once you start giving men a sense of duty, which the faith does, it even gives a sense of, 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 you know, our life is to know, love, and serve God. If you ask most people what's the purpose of life, they have no idea. Well, the purpose is to, you know, make a lot of money and have a lot of sex and, I don't know, go on vacation twice a year. They have no idea. But when given a sense of purpose, you then evoke a sense of dignity, and then that facilitates masculinity. Which facilitates attraction and desire in the opposite sex because a woman is attracted to a man who is living in that authority 
living an adventure, right? Living with strength. A guy who's mm-hmm. obsessed with Marvel movies and, uh, <laughs> you know, video games, or even if it's just, you know, vacation or whatever his self-pleasure is, porn, uh, women find that very pathetic. Yeah. There's, there's, that's, it's so do real it's not just beta male, like it's like gamma, delta, omega male. And, <laughs> and unfortunately, that's, you know, our society, like you were saying earlier, starts telling young men, you know, don't be fidgety, don't be moving, you know, oh, you're, you know, this, this happened to some of our kids once, you know, like the little boys are all fidgety in class. And so uh, the solution is, well, you missed recess today. So now he didn't even get to go outside and run around. Right. And for them, the perfect little boy is to act like a little girl. So in a, in a right. lot of it's not these guys who act this way, it's in a way not their fault because they've been conditioned, you know, and a lot of them didn't even have dads because of divorce, single moms and all that. So, you know, you get as an older man, you start to say, well, what does it mean to meet a man? What does it what does it mean to be a man? How do I become a man? And they don't have dads, so they go online, they read red pill and all that. And you know, the red pill stuff, I read some of it too. You know, there's kind of a spectrum. There's on one end of the spectrum, it's sort of the pickup artist uh realm. Is that right? What would you call that part? Yeah. So it's very Yeah, well, I call that the you know, that's the low hanging fruit. That's the that's the most base Yeah, It's sort of the it's 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 the least mature and it's sort of the most self-indulgent uh basically right. just sort of uh tricking women into finding you're attractive and using sort of female psychology right but then right. on the other end of the spectrum is sort of this group of men who are masculine patriarchal and rooted in religion and hopefully catholicism the one true faith and then there's everything in in the middle, you know. And I also found it kind of interesting, though. A lot of the discourse is missing sort of the yes, you must be living an adventure. Yes, you must be masculine. Yes, you you know you need to have alpha traits and confidence. Confidence is key. Yes, you need to lift weights, be fit, be strong, and all that. It was kind of missing the whole. As a father, it's all that strength with the sacrifice. You know, with right. Yes, you do have to pay the mortgage. Yes, you do have to, you know, miss some things at work or make sacrifices or or things to care for your wife or your kids or whatever. And that, that to me, I think, was the the one element as a Catholic man looking at it that was sort of lacking. Do you think that's accurate or would you disagree or add something? Well, I do have to add something because a lot of men, when you start speaking this way, it not only turns them away because of our feminine nature. It's like, well, I, you know, I want all the good without the bad. I don't want to do anything that's difficult. Right. But not only that, but the world has made it such. You know, I'm talking about the laws and the government have made it such that that is, ex- that's what's expected of men, but minus the authority. So it's right. like the. The, the 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 world is tearing us apart you know on one end we're fed this seductive sense that i can get all the good without the bad 
But then if I go and do good, then all I'm going to get is bad. So you have this idea of like the beta male cuck, they would call him, right? The yeah. guy who is, you know, pandering to his wife for sex. He's doing the dishes in the laundry and hoping that she'll give him a crumb. Uh, he pays yeah. all the bills Shore and play. she they still call yells it. at Shore him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so you have a lot of guys. There's no in-between. And, and, right. and I understand why. And these are the guys. I, I mean, I don't want to offend people. But it's it's you meet guys, Elliot, and they're like, well, I got to consult with my better half or I got to talk to right. my boss. And right. when I hear guys say stuff like that, and I hear it regularly, I'm just living yeah. in the world, I just inwardly cringe. And I know this sounds bad, but I'm like, I can't be your friend. Or I need to be your friend to help you because you've ba when a man says that he's basically what you just said, he has flushed all of the office of his authority as a man, as a husband, as a as a father down the toilet. And it's kind of just sad. But he was taught to do that by society. Right. He's convinced that that's what's going to make his wife love him. But usually it makes them more disgusted. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, so let's yeah, talk about Andrew Tate. What do you think about Andrew Tate? Okay. Uh, so I appreciate. First off, tell everybody Andrew who Andrew Tate is. We got, so, uh, we got some grandmother on here. who's like, who's Andrew Tate? I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Okay, cool. So he would be representative of what I described earlier as a part of the manosphere. And it's this growing movement of men who are voicing their opinions and wanting to be heard in terms of uh, making our way in a gynocentric world, which basically means a female-centric, feminist-dominated world where men have been fed a lot of lies and have submitted to it for many generations, at least you know since the 1960s at least. And so there are, it's a whole spectrum and Andrew Tate has risen over the past year or so to be a prominent figure in this space. And he's getting a lot of media attention. You know, he's on uh, Piers Morgan not too long ago. He's, you know, and so he's become a pop culture icon in this sense. And what he's willing to do and what draws so much attention to him is his, his fervent stance for pro-masculinity. Now, he's an eccentric guy, and he will present it in ways that are perhaps kind of extreme and boyish, but very attractive to a lot of young men. The reason why I appreciate him is because he's drawing a lot of attention to the, to the trappings of traditionalism. The whole idea that a, a man is to be the leader in his home, like that's something that he'll talk about, um, how women should be at home in the kitchen making babies, like he'll, he'll, he'll draw attention to that. All these things that, you know, that we kind of, uh, we know and we take for granted as traditional Catholics, a lot of young men are getting, getting whiff of it from this big mouth dude. The only thing is that he's... You know, I don't know if he's he's a he's a professional chess player, so I think he might be strategic in what he's doing. So I kind of watch it through the corner of my eye. I'm not sure he might be acting, but in order to garner favor, he still does it with the 
pretense of promiscuity. This whole idea that like, well, to be a man needs to be, you know, having lots of women and then your life is, is dominated by chasing tail. And so that's about the, I would say that's the 20% where he's not going fully in with the, with the true masculine message of pro-masculinity. Um, all, now, what he's doing is the exact opposite. It's all the good, which comes with the authority now, but none of the bad, like I was saying before. In other words, none of the responsibility, none of the things that give us real mission, because there's no chasing tail is not a mission. That's indulgence. That's a feminacy. That's just, that's no better than a guy who's obese, who's eating lots of donuts. It's like, well, you're addicted to that. They get addicted to chasing girls. And so I say I appreciate him is because he's bringing a lot of attention to the, the, the mass sphere and the men's movement. But what that does then is it allows guys like me to then be standing right there like, okay, once you figure it out that you're a man, you're an authority, you know how to talk to women and you understand intersexual dynamics, now what? Men want families. Now, we, the, the world, the laws are stacked against us. And, and I think that we've got a lot of work to do in that, in that sense. Of course, I mean, there's all kinds of things that we, that need to be dealt with, like contraception and such abortion and stuff. They are all lumped into the same category, but men want wives uh, when it really boils down to it, when it, when you have run through as many broads as you possibly can, they want a wife and they want a legacy and they want family. And I'm primed to offer that to them. Right. So once Andrew Tate has gotten them in my, in, in this, <laughs> in the room, I'll get them with my family trap yeah it's kind of you know you kind of got you know it's interesting to watch what goes on in the manosphere and on youtube and twitter and all that uh, i watch it all because you kind of had you know your dan bilzerian maybe we can talk about dan a little bit <laughs> and then you got your and andrew tate sort of like the new dan bilzerian 2.0 right mm -hmm. he's like dan bilzerian but a little philosophical but then you also had going on jordan peterson and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you could say Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh, but really Jordan Peterson somehow became kind of like every kid in America and Canada who didn't have a dad, their dad became yeah. Jordan Peterson for two years. It was it was an unusual thing to watch. He was basically just saying, go yeah. clean up your room, clean up your life, get some discipline. Don't be a slob, yeah. you know, read a book, these kind of basic things. So there's definitely these voices who are saying this is what it means to be a man. And it's interesting to see how people gravitate into those orbits of those people. So yeah, let's, let's downshift here and let's go to Dan Bilzerian. So Dan Bilzerian was kind of this proto Andrew Tate. And it was basically just like smoking weed parties and hot women chasing tail and all that. And I think there was like a gap there where like guys just wanted to be that. And then I listened to Dan Bilzerian on Joe Rogan. Did you listen to that one? No. Oh man, you got to go listen to it, Elliot. So at the end of his, you know, two and a half interview with Joe Rogan, Dan Bilzerian says something like this. I'll, I kind of mess it up as you get the point. Like, you know, when I was young, I could have got like a Pontiac Trans Am or like a, a Corvette and I would have been like pumped, psyched, you know? But he's like, now that I've driven like Lamborghinis and Ferraris and all these amazing cars, like I could care less about a Corvette, a cool Corvette. And he, go, and he goes inside of me. That makes me sad because mm -hmm. I killed something like 
I did my dopamine receptors to, to a certain height that I killed everything in the threshold below. And then he related it to women as well, right? I mean, he's had intercourse with so hundreds of supermodels, right? right? That he's like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to be married and that makes me sad. Like I've ramped up my dopamine receptors, my threshold so high that you kind of kill off everything below. And I, I just thought, I wish Joe Rogan was like a Catholic or even a stoic philosopher because he could have just swooped in at that moment and it could have been an excellent Socratic moment. But, you know, I just think that that's such a, it's, it's the book of Ecclesiastes in the old Testament where King Solomon tries to get the best wine and the best food and the best sex and the best women. And it's vanity of vanities. It's fleeting, right? And I think that's a lesson. I think every young man should go listen to that Dan Bilzerian interview with Joe Rogan because you realize it's just like smoking crack. Like you need more and more crack. Right. You're never like, man, I've finally reached the point in my life where this this amount of crack per, per diem is just what I want or marijuana or whatever. Like you have mm-hmm. to eventually say, I'm going to live an ascetic, sacrificial life where I don't eat meat on Fridays or I deprive myself of these things. Like you're actually trying to lower your dopamine hits. And I think that's the key to satisfaction. Yeah. I wouldn't argue with you one bit. That sounds about right. You got to go watch that. Dan- Listen to that damn with Joe, with Joe Rogan. Well, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think's next? I mean, is Andrew Tate going to burn out? He's going to be replaced by someone else? Or are we going to have a shift where guys start saying, yeah, maybe I need to like watch Elliot Hulse and figure out a different way to be a strong man? I think what we're seeing is the whole spectrum uh, emerge and the spectrum will always be there, right? Like, so in marketing, you have this idea of a funnel, right? And at the top yep. of your funnel, you have as many people as possible. So you want to stay as broad and appealing and as sensually gratifying as possible. But then as you start to make your way down, you get to where there are those who are really serious about what they came there for. I'm seeing so many guys. In fact, um, I'm doing a four-way podcast with Tim Gordon and two other guys. And one of them, he met me a couple, maybe about 10 years ago because he was at a pickup artist event. And so he was still, you know, at that time, 10 years ago, he was in that broad swath of men who were like, I just want to have sex with girls. So he tries to figure it out. He's up there. But then over time, he he shifted down to now where he's, he's a Catholic and he's a traditional Catholic and he wants a whole lot more. So I don't know if what we're going to see is a timeline shift. I think that the spectrum is just emerging and we'll all be there when the right person is ready for the right message. Yeah. Did you follow the trajectory of Roosh? He's another great example. Yeah. yeah that's been pretty amazing to see. Yeah. And so eventually they all get to where we are. And so the, the branch of the manosphere that I embody and stand in, we like to refer to as the patriarchy, the patriarchs, the fathers. Right. And so the ultimate end, the final end in all of this effeminacy and pleasure seeking and chasing women becomes, well, well, 
when you're ready, you're going to be called to be a husband and a father. And there's a right way to do that too. There's a, there's a, there's a masculine, a positive, masculine, affirmative way to be a husband and father. Being a husband and father has been, has been sort of uh, relegated to the world of blue pill beta males who pander for sex from their wives, but because they've never seen fathers before. That's what their dads were like. And their dads were probably, dads, dads were probably like that. And that's what the TV shows them. So the only kids have no idea. But guys like myself, like yourself, and other patriarchs in the manosphere are showing them, no, there is a dignity to fatherhood and they want that. Yeah. Yeah, another another name is Mike Cernovich. Have you followed Mike Cernovich? Mm -hmm. He was also kind of in the manosphere. I don't know if he, he wasn't really in the pickup artists. Maybe, I don't know. But, you know, he was also kind of on that same, same group with Roosh. What was Roosh sites? Something Kings, Return of Kings. Mm -hmm. Is that Roosh? Yeah. So Roosh was interesting because he wrote books on how to basically fornicate with women by nation. <laughs> like, here's how you seduce Ukrainian girls. Here's how you seduce Polish. I mean, he had he had volumes of books on this. And he kind of, I think, took a Dan Bilzerian route where it's like, you know, you just kind of kill off your sexual dopamine centers because you just, after, you know, after your notch count gets to a certain number, it's just like, what's the point? I just want a nice one that I can be married to and have kids, right? It's like full right. circle, right? And But but Roosh, I mean, he became Eastern Orthodox. Mm -hmm. Well, firstly, I think he went back to being Armenian Orthodox. And then he became Rokor, Russian Orthodox Church outside of Russia. And from what I've read and heard from him, he was attracted to that. And I'm very sympathetic because they have ascetical theology, that is theology yes. of training, of yeah. discipline. And yeah. when you talk to an Eastern Orthodox priest, you say, hey, I'm struggling with sex or pornography or masturbation, whatever. They're like, okay, well, we're gonna start giving you some assignments. I want you to fast on bread and water two days a week. You know, I want you to stare at an icon. Instead of staring at pornography, you just stare at an icon of the Virgin Mary for 30 minutes. And they tell you to do these <laughs> things, it. right? Yeah. And in the Catholic Church, especially if you come up with a, a feminine priest, you know, I've had priests tell me for my penance. My first penance when I came into the Catholic Church was I, I dumped all the sins of my life on the priest. And my penance was, when you get out of confession, say something nice to someone today. Oh. So I saw my wife and I was like, your hair looks nice today penance done. I mean, that is just weak. I remember going to my first confession to a traditional priest, a traditional Latin mass priest, and I confessed a range of sins. And he says, well, it sounds like your predominant sins are in this area and this area. Would you agree with that? And I was like, yeah, actually I have. He's like, have you ever noticed that before? I said, no. He goes, well, let's get some penances in there to start battling, battling those vices. And I was, I walked out like, whoa, you know, it's like I went to a doctor and he was like, uh, yeah, your calcium and magnesium levels are down. Let's start supplementing and get this right. Right. And the, I think the Orthodox are still on point on that. Catholics, unless you're in a traditional parish or a traditional priest, you don't really get this 
hey, let's fix the problem. And I think that's why Roosh went orthodox because he has these deep, you know, scars that we could call them. And then Mike Cernovich yeah. is always talking about, man, you got to have a family. You got to have kids going out drinking on Friday night and sleeping with women on the weekends is lame compared to having a wife and having fun with your kids. And it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the ultimate end. At some point, every boy becomes a man and realizes that responsibility is actually very edifying. It's fun. It's great. I, yeah. I would rather have responsibility. Yeah. Well, that's, Just like that's kind of the lie is you can, I think, you know, in that pickup artist end of the red pill, it's that idea that you can, in a way, pretend to be alpha. Right. <laughs> and you can pick up the attractive girl. If you use these right. skills, if you're dark triad, whatever, right? You do all that. But then it's like, but can you keep a girl? Right. And then not only can you keep a girl, but if she got pregnant, would she want to raise that child for you for 18 years? And if the answer is right. no, you're not really alpha. If if that woman would abort your baby, you're not alpha. Right. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, it's truly yeah. alpha to inspire yourself and inspire another woman to create culture. Yeah. That's create. really strong. Yeah. Like, if she's like, I love you so much. There's so much value in you that I want to procreate a life inside of me for nine months and then spend 18 years raising that person with you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to like trick her to do that. No. It, and she wants to serve you. Yeah. It just comes out of her, her desire. My wife's desire is to please me. I don't make her. I don't right. try to force her. I don't demand anything. It's a, it's a joy to serve a real man. And so these guys are looking for women that it's interesting because a part of the Tate thing is, you know, finding traditional women. This is what they, he'll even use that term. And I hear young men, they're like, oh yeah, I'm looking for a traditional woman and they want traditional. And they're like, and in my mind, I'm like, but you're not a traditional man. You have no idea what exactly. a traditional man even looks like, much less being able to be one. So how could you want a traditional woman if you can't evoke that reverence and that desire to serve you? What are you going to do? Whipper? It didn't work that way, buddy. No. Yeah, I think that's, and that's what's also interesting on the manosphere is they're saying, well, I want, uh, I don't want to date these sluts, you know, hoes and all that. It's like, well, but you are the man slut version. So you get right. what you get. Right. You're a you slut know? maker. Yeah, you're a slut maker. So you get, that's what you get. Sorry to use these terms, everyone, but I'm just, I'm using the lingua <laughs> franca of the culture on this topic, but so, and uh, this is just, you know, it's exciting to see guys like Roosh and Cernovich, even though neither of them became Catholic, but certainly you, you did, you reverted. And to see us getting deeper in our own tradition, uh, rediscovering things that are just natural law truths, like you were saying earlier, and then how mm -hmm. being a Catholic, uh, brings in that authority that yes, uh, husbands are heads of their wives and kids. I know that's super politically incorrect. And there may be women watching and they're like, no, I don't like that. It's like, it's in the Bible. You have to accept it if you're a Catholic. <laughs> Just in the Bible. That's what's what. That's mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm.
But there's also this sort of heroic strength that's coupled with sacrifice. And yeah. that's what it truly means, I think, to be a Catholic man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A part of what keeps, it's almost like, it's funny. I was already Catholic. Then I kind of said, okay, fine. And then I discovered the beauty of the faith. And it, it was about the time that, you know, Trump was in office, you know, back in 2020, Trump was, in, Trump was in office. And so I had this patriotic resurgence in my soul. And then to come to find out that Western society is Catholic, like, like Christendom is Catholicism. And so we have yeah. all these patriots and, you know, all these Trump supporters and all these, you know, Americans who are like, I want, you know, and, and it was traditional. I want tradition. I want things that are to go back to the way they were, make American great again. And I can't help but sort of smile on the inside because I'm like, you guys are almost there. But I think, who was it? Uh, Paul had, Newman, some Paul something Newman said that you can't know history and cease to be Protestant. You can't, you can't oh, know. Yeah, John Henry Newman. John Henry Newman. Is that it? Yeah. Paul yeah, Newman's the like, actor. Paul Newman's the actor. <laughs> <laughs> and he makes the salad dressings too. <laughs> I'm, I'm just figuring this stuff out, man. What's going on? <laughs> Henry Newman, yeah. Yeah, John Henry Newman. When, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you are calling for tradition, right? I want a traditional wife. I want a traditional marriage. I want a traditional family. I wish our society was traditional again. What you're basically saying is I want Catholic. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're saying I want Catholic. And, you know, the whole idea and the Catholic is the only religion on earth, the only that has no divorce. Did you know that? Wow. Jews, <laughs> Jews do it. Protestants do it. Muslims do it. Even Eastern Orthodox do it. We're the only one. We're the only one that takes marriage that seriously. And was holding the line on abortion when protestants were all about it contraception yeah i mean to discover all these things just gives me a, a sense of pride i guess you could say to know that like this is this is the far end of the right side of history if you're going right. to be catholic and no wonder why there's such catholic catholic hatred in the world yeah yeah jordan peterson says you know is how did feminism come about was it just people had books or Women, you no, know, he says it became about because the birth control pill. Feminism is just mm. cultural birth control pill. Because as soon as you say to men and to women, especially to men, hey, you can have unlimited sex without the sacrifice of marriage and paternity. And you say, and also to women too, because women like to have sex too. You, you teach that to a society, you liberate the woman. And I use scare quotes <laughs> on the liberate for everybody listening to the audio version. You liberate the right. woman and you create feminism. You right. create, create a whole lot of She-Hulk or She-Thor or whatever your favorite dopey Marvel movie is that they do the feminist, mm -hmm. you know, girl version of. That's what you create. <laughs> And mm -hmm. you look at the happiness numbers, you know, the polls, women in the 40s and 50s were way happier than they were beginning in the 80s yeah. and the 90s. And especially now when so many of them are on meds. Why? Because right. we're forcing men and women to live in a way that's contrary to nature, which is called right. sinful.
Yeah. Throw bricks yeah. at me, but that's what's like, what. Are you familiar with Michael Jones? Yeah. Yeah, I love how he um, he, he describes in the uh, Beetle Dominandi. That's yes. the name of the book in Latin. Yes. How all this unfolds, and it's really a power trap, and it's the sense is. that you're liberated for sexuality, but in fact, you didn't become a slave. And we are more slavish than we've ever been, but yet we're more free. Every sin is a slave. So, you know, if you're given to marijuana, you're a slave. If you're given to porn, you're a slave. If you're given to alcohol, you're a slave. If you're given to scrolling, it's all slavery in the most powerful people and the richest people in society. See, this is, Elliot, this is why people sometimes say I'm a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> the most powerful people, the technocrats, not the not the president. Those guys are small fries. Right. The technocrats, the guys who own technology, they want nothing else for you to be addicted to drugs, prescription meds, especially psychotic prescription meds, horrible food, right? Mm -hmm. they, they engineer food to make you addicted to it. Yeah. Sodas, alcohol, drugs, porn. I mean, they are literally yeah. just pouring sludge into your house in the form of Uber and Netflix 24-7. And then you go to your doctor and he's like, you sit at home in a cubicle you sit at home in cubicle and you watch Netflix every night and you eat horrible food and you feel miserable and you're depressed. Here, here's some more drugs. Instead of <laughs> eat some healthy yeah. food and go walk five miles outside. Oh, and if it gets really bad, I'll help you kill yourself. Yeah, that's and then that's where it's going, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's totally insane. So, yes, the whole idea that they're promoting sexual promiscuity is to yeah. enslave us. They don't need to put chains on our wrists. They give us Netflix and porn. And that's people yeah. need to wake up. I mean, St. Paul teaches in Romans, we you become slaves to sin, slaves to the flesh. To be free is to be with Jesus, to be holy, to be a saint, to grow in the Holy Ghost. That is freedom. That is meaning. That is happiness. Hopefully, guys like Andrew Tate figure that out. Yeah, I think he. I think he will. You think he will? Because I think anything. Oh yeah, I think at some point it's not good for marketing right now. Uh, I put it that way, especially <laughs> since I've experienced that. You know, once I started putting Jesus behind me in the videos, like people scattered. It's like right. Oh, so he's he's living in the limelight right now, but I think at some point when he's he's ready to be a real man, uh, we'll see him come full circle. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I think that's one of the mercies in life is that God lets us often run the course. Right. And then we're like, like you in the sauna, you're just like, okay, this is the end of this train. I got to get off this track. <laughs> right. You know, and uh, not everybody does get off, but thank God we were called to get off and we did. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, this has been a great mm -hmm. conversation, Elliot. I've enjoyed it. I, you know, I've never actually, I think, on my channel ever talked about manosphere topics. So this was kind of a good opportunity to talk about being red pilled.
Again, I'm not like a hundred percent. I'm not a hundred percent into that, you know, culture, but I'm aware of it and I find it interesting. And I think there is some, some mm-hmm. good things to be nourished there and to learn, but you know, it's even better than re- reading red pill. Read the book of Proverbs. Ah, uh, yeah. It's all in there. It's all in That's there. That's what I said when I started reading it's the red pill. I was like, this is all in the Bible. I said on there. Twitter the other day, I was like, if you're a man and you've never read the book of Proverbs, you will 2x improve your life, double improve your life <laughs> if you just sit down and read the book of Proverbs. It's 31 chapters. It's perfect for 31 days in a month. Read the book of Proverbs and you will realize how debt is bad and promiscuous mm-hmm. women are bad and bad business deals. And they, it will teach you and who is trustworthy and who is not trustworthy and how to know if they're trustworthy. All that stuff is in the book of Proverbs. Everybody, men and women need to read it. But I think especially men, if you never had a dad, read the book of Proverbs. Amen. All right. Great. Well, everybody, do discipline. Embrace discipline. Do not be lax. Do not be effeminate. Do not take everything easy. Try harder. An easy way to do that is to pray the rosary every single day. Pick up the beads, pray the rosary every day. I I interviewed Boss Root the other day. Did you see that, Elliot? No, I haven't. Boss is a great guy. It's good. And he just said, you know, he said his whole life as a fighter, you have to do things every day. You can't just be like, well, I think three days this week, I'll just eat horrible and not train. Because then you go into (laughs) a UFC octagon and you get destroyed. So it's like constant discipline. And he's like, so when I learned I needed to pray the rosary, I just pray the rosary every day and I've never missed a day. Because that's just what I've done in my life. You just have to Very do it. masculine. It is. It's, it's just like, oh, I have to do this to be a saint? Well, then that's a non-negotiable. I'm just going to do it. So nice. that's right. why I say you got to pray the rosary every day or not on the team. Right? You're just not on the team. Um, everybody check out Elliot's channel. It's got eight over 800,000 views. I just looked at it. Man, that's incredible. That's huge. Yeah, I'm an OG. I've been doing this. My first, my strength camp channel, the one you originally found, got 1.8 million, and I started that back in 2006. So it just kind of lets you know that I've been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah those are huge numbers, huge numbers. So check out his channel. Um, what's your latest project, Elliot? So everything that we're talking about right here, man, I'm making men strong again, and it has a lot to do with austerity and challenge and discipline. And in every culture, cross-culturally, since time immemorial, except for our diabolical day, men have had rites of passage initiation that removed effeminacy from their lives through the getting rid of all attachments and what I like to say, mommy addictions, right? All kinds of Mm -hmm. addictions to porn and sex and alcohol and all these things. So that, this is always a two-way step, There's a removal from the world of the mother and an atonement with the world of the father. It's not until we get rid of all of these effeminacies, all these addictions, all of these weights that carry us and hold us down, that we can be a clean slate and open for the imprint of the father. And our our ancestors all knew that. Today, we're trying to receive something, but we're not willing to let go of something. And it all begins with fasting. So they call it king initiation. And so it's kinginitiation.com if you're interested in learning more. But that's what I got my hands full with these days. Awesome. That's great. Everybody go check it out. 
that's a wrap. Uh, I forgot to pray the Our Father at the beginning, but uh, we should pray the Hail Mary at the end. I do it in Latin. Do you want me to pray it all, or do you mm-hmm. want to pray part of it, Elliot? Uh, I'll tr- help me out, but I'll do the I'll second half. I'll do the whole half. thing, and you just you just come in and and double me. How about that? Let's do it. Sound good. All right. Oremos. Nomini Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et et or mortis nostre. Amen. Amen. Patris et Fidi, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, Elliot, thanks for being on. I appreciate you. Everybody pray that rosary every day. A special shout out to all the Patreons who support this channel. If you'd like to support the channel and get signed books from me, uh, including the new book, Antichrist and Apocalypse. You can go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. There's a bunch of levels there, different books and things like that. Check it out. I do appreciate all the help. And I just signed a bunch of books. They'll be mailed out today and tomorrow. Elliot Holtz, thanks for being on. Appreciate you. Um, thanks for having talk. me. It's been yeah. such a pleasure. I've been following you for a very long time and you've been a big part of my catechesis and learning about faith. So thank you. Well, thank you. And I think my, my deadlift's probably higher now than it was before because of you. So thank you for that. Good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Remember our Lord Jesus Christ says you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless. Godspeed. Thanks, Elliot.